0: As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you were willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come.
1: Lord, uh, on this third Sunday of Advent, would you come and and speak to our hearts, in Christ's name, amen. Well, good morning, welcome, Uh, especially if you're visiting for the first time. She will hate this, but uh, my mother-in-law has come uh, to us from England just to be here this morning. And for the next three weeks, so, you know, the the novelty will wear off pretty quick, but welcome. Uh, And if you're like my mother-in-law and you're you're here for the first time, we'd love to connect with you over coffee afterwards. These uh, three passages, we're going to focus on one, but let me just talk about the three because it's kind of a puzzle, isn't it? Uh, John the Baptist (laughs) sending out messages to Jesus saying, you know, ask him, is he really the one? Because if you'd given your life and if... Before you were born, an angel had appeared to your father in the Holy of Holies and struck him dumb and to, for the whole, I mean, think of the peace Elizabeth endured. Her husband couldn't say a thing for the whole pregnancy, you know? She just, she had the last word all the time. Just, anyway, that's not, that's not either here nor there. But, all right, so all of these things happen, and John the Baptist has been talking about the one who would come, and now he's in prison. And so he sends his followers to Jesus. He says, are you the one? And what's striking here is what Jesus doesn't say. And it's important because we kind of think a certain way. But this is what Jesus says. And turn to the, your um, bulletin on page three. No, wrong. Um, page five. Go and tell John what you hear and see in verse four. Verse five, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. All good, except Jesus stops, and he doesn't say what Isaiah prophesied the Messiah would say, and the bit he leaves out Who knows, we don't know how John the Baptist received it, but what Jesus should have said if he was following the Old Testament text from Isaiah is that and he releases the captives from prison. And so Jesus says to his cousin, John, I am the Messiah and I'm not coming to set you free. But I'm the one, nothing is in vain. And we don't really know how he does it. What we do know is what Jesus was looking to do. And to go to a prison and forcefully set uh, set free his cousin would have gone against the work of his father. Imagine. Imagine so often we, I have, let me talk about myself, I have this equation of what Jesus will do for me if I work for him. I've kind of made a profession out of it. I'll pray, I'll read the Bible, I'll serve your people, and A plus B will equal C. Now, um, he's not here, but uh, are you here, Rashudi? Yeah, the polymath, yeah, so we have a math expert here, and you know, Tim, when I look at Tim's uh, TikTok, if you haven't seen Tim on TikTok, he does the most incredible calculus equations, makes them look simple until I try to replicate it, and I'm lost, you know, God doesn't promise us that things will work out, just as we think. And so Advent, I don't know what you thought about those songs this morning. Familiar words, but the tune was slightly different. And Advent's about worshiping, praising God for that he has come and that he will come again. But there's room for lament. Because there's room to recognize that all is not yet as it should be. All is not yet as it should be. So come, thou long expected Jesus. That arrangement was just spectacular because to me it was like, Yes, you have come, come again. And so Jesus says to his cousin, I am the one you've talked about. And I'm working my promise, my purposes out. I'm doing the work of my Father, and I'm afraid. It's not going to go as you expected. Oof. <laughs> and so what about the other two passages? What about the the psalm? The psalm is about this rejoicing. I love it, rejoicing. And just some precise hallelujah. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. And then goes on the instruction: Happy are they who have the God of Jacob for their help, whose hope is in the the Lord their God. There's something about articulating praise to God that helps us. That's why we set up these wreaths. We filled one up. We started this uh, last summer, and we've encouraged you as a congregation that if during the week God has answered a prayer or done something in some way, that at any time during the the service, if you get bored in the ceremony to stretch your legs to avoid falling asleep, just walk down, tie a ribbon on, just as a sign. Because we're so quick to forget and lose sight of God doing the small things. But it's those small things that change us over time and that's why the seasons are so powerful. And so we come to um, Isaiah 35 on page three, just look down at it with me. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. When we moved to Texas from England 10 years ago, um well nine years ago. In one year, we had more sun shine than the previous ten. It was amazing. But where is the sun gone? <laughs> it's been cloudy for how long? Like, for the last two weeks, and I'm like, where this is not why I moved to Texas. I mean, December and 75 degrees is lovely, but I need where are the blue skies that I came for? Right? The wilderness. Though all of a sudden, it's and the dry land, shall be glad. It's worth just looking down at the adjectives here in verses 1 and 2. Glad. The desert shall rejoice. It'll blossom, not just blossom, but blossom abundantly. It'll rejoice with joy and singing. Now, In some wildernesses, this happens because of a sudden uh, arrival of rain. It happens because of a dramatic change that takes place. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. And that's the change. And then what happens is verse three and four, strengthen the weak hands, make the feeble knees, make firm the feeble knees, say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong and fear not. So what happens is, is that when people see the Lord, not literally, but when there's a a sense of God's presence drawing near and something of his majesty, everything changes. That's what happens when we're in the wilderness. When we get a glimpse of him, things begin to change. Not immediately, but over a period of time. And then, of uh, those of you, the, economic, the economists in our room, and the business uh, people in the room will see in verse four, it, the uh, prophet begins to use the, the terms of the marketplace. He says, say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. That word recompense is the, word, is the language of an Excel spreadsheet. It's the language of profit and loss. For all of the losses you've incurred because of an anxious heart, because of fear, because of weakness, there'll be a repayment so that when Jesus returns, there will just be a profit line. There'll be nothing in the loss. And he's just talking economics. Isn't that fascinating? I thought it'd be really interesting for all of you and for me to involve in a conversation that we have all the time. And so Becky, would you come up? I'm just gonna talk through this, some of the themes in this passage with Becky and um, Becky and I well, easily spend hours talking about what we see, but um, I thought it would be great, this is yours, um, just to talk about these themes because in many ways, Becky and Kevin and the, the worship team have really actively, since before we came here, been involved in leading the musical aspect of worship um, the worship here and have really, um, to quote scriptures, been leading um, people who have found themselves in the wilderness. And I would say that was true of me for this last year. And the first thing I wanna say is, on behalf of the church, thank you for all that you've done. Anyone else wanna echo that? I know. <laughs> are you glad we did this at the 9:15 service, so not the nine?
2: Bad. Yes.
1: <laughs> so um, I did warn Becky to wear waterproof makeup, so we'll see how we go. Um, I have, so there we are. Um, Becky, let me get to the script we prepared. Um, so. As you hear this passage, you know, verse one, which I'll read to all of us again, because my mind wanders, the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. What does that speak uh, to you these past years? Um, Because you led us, you led the St. Barts singing in desert and wilderness times. Tell us a little bit about what comes up, you know, as you've prepared the song selection and wrestling with the scriptures, tell us a little bit.
2: Um well I'm familiar with a desert place in a wilderness. Um actually started ours kind of started the moment we set foot in Saint Bart's.
1: Isn't <laughs> common. Because That's not Saint part Bart's. of membership. <laughs> we we don't lead with that, but sometimes it does happen.
2: <laughs> it turned out to be great timing. Um so our whole time leading has kind of been from that place. And sometimes I lean, lament, and Dave has to encourage me into the joy of my song selections. Um, But I think um, what I love about St. Bart's is that we are a place where we can be really honest about where we are. And if we're we're doubting, if we are not in a place of abundance, if we're not on the mountaintop, that's okay, Um, And we can come and receive. And for me, the music and the worship has felt, um, Kevin and I have talked about this, and we use the word tether, like a tether to God in times when it's hard to pray, or it's hard to um, have hope, you know? (laughs) Just give me a second. (laughs) Um, The music has been really helpful that way. So it's been a really important part of our lives, like do I pause, do I talk through it?
1: <laughs> Come as you are, you know. I'll cry if it helps. Um,
2: yeah, <laughs> please start crying. <laughs> um, but we've <laughs> we've um, made a lot of important relationships through this time, and both the musicians and non-musicians, and um, it's been special to us to do it, and It's been important for us to do it during a difficult time. Um, There were times when I wondered if we should step away just for time. Man, Um, but we didn't, and I'm really glad. Um, It's been invaluable to our family and our well-being. Next question. Yes. (laughs)
1: It's, uh, it's interesting, isn't it, because we were, um, some of us are doing Lectio 365, and Rachel yeah. and I were catching up on everything we missed this last week, yeah. um, and uh, there's a comment about Advent being so uh, counter today's culture, which is, you know, I buy most things when I do, not always, but with one click on Amazon, you know, yeah. we're in that sense of instant, yeah. and some there, there is an aspect sometimes in church culture that comes into that instant gratification culture, but you can't do that in the wilderness. Yeah. And what I love, what we've talked about, is A, when you meet someone, usually you can get there pretty quick, and you realize, oh, they've kind of gone through something as well. And then there are those you know, um, who for whatever reason haven't yet. And it's like, you know, they kind of, you know, talk and it's like, oh, well, come anyway and bless you, and, you know. But there is something, isn't there? And, and I think, you know, what, we're, what I'm so thankful for having been here only, gosh, not even two years yet, is how you and Chris and the rest of the congregation have set this culture of worship over time of helping people meet God in the desert and the wilderness. Mm-hmm. And so the follow up question is um, um, hope. You know, so you're in the wilderness, you're singing, and we're journeying through the seasons of the church. And what does hope look like, right? For someone who, because there are bound to be people here this morning who are going through difficulty. Yeah. Um, just talk a little bit about you know, because the mountaintop experience is rare. Yeah. But meeting God in the valley.
2: Yes. Well, that's when we need him most. Um, And the waiting part is difficult, but I think it's important. That's one of the things I love about the liturgical calendar is how we do have to walk through some time. I think someone, one of you, one of you collar wearers, mentioned this last week, that... um,
1: Likely Chris. (laughs)
2: Likely Chris, that the world is celebrating Christmas everywhere. And so I kind of love that we are, we are, I mean, we have Christmas trees up, but we have to walk through this time of waiting. And um, I think it's valuable to try to remember that. Um, And when we think back about, in the song, When I raise My Ebenezer, when we think back about the times that God has been faithful and come through, because it is easy to forget, um, that can help in that waiting and provide the hope to remember the goodness that's occurred already.
1: You mentioned COVID times. Uh-huh. I have, a, I wanted to ask you about that. So we weren't part of St. Bart's, St. Bart's during lockdown, but couldn't help but hear people share. Um, well, literally during COVID and that, that lockdown period when churches weren't meeting, um, we heard about the music that's being recorded at St. Bart's. We heard about Katie's stuff with um, the children's stuff. And so we tuned in a bit. And for those of you who weren't here, um, I almost called it, yeah, Kevin and Becky recorded music in their home that could then be used as part of worship throughout the house. What was it like doing that? And, you know, as you look back, because really that, along with everything else, really helps set the culture of worship where we are now.
2: Yeah. Well, we had been part of the worship team prior to that, um, but we weren't leading it. So that was new. But... Um, initially for two perfectionists it was challenging (laughs) but great um but it was we spent a lot of time with that music too um over the course of the weeks that we were recording at home it was strange to be at home doing it um for people we knew would be watching it in their homes but also very special and especially when we would see the service kind of cobbled together from everybody in their homes like the scripture readers and it was um, helpful in a time that was really isolating to feel like, oh, we're here, we're here together. We're in our separate houses, but we're here. But it was really, it was, I'm, I'm really grateful for that experience.
1: One of my Set favorite hope. verses in this passage, which ties into what you were saying, is, is verse three, which is, strengthen the weak hands, make firm the feeble knees. And I think what I really appreciate um, about, we use the term worship culture here, is that things don't have to be perfect, yeah. right? We want yeah. to make sure we're stewarding uh, people and not using them for their gifting. Yeah. And, you know, and, and so what would you say to the many musicians here who have come from other churches and yeah. who have maybe, you know, taking a well-deserved break before getting involved? Yeah. Like, as we look forward, you know, what's what's your hope for, like, the worship ministry here at St. Bart's?
2: Well, um, we want more people to play and sing, <laughs> if you want that. Um, I do see it as a place where people can be involved if they want to be involved, and we want many people from many backgrounds. Um, I think, I know some people have played in other churches just like many of you have gone to other churches that are a very different vibe than here um that do require perfection or ultimate involvement um so we want to be low stakes um come when you're ready and if you're ready what do we say all can some will none must um but i just hope it continues to grow and provides a space for people to be open i feel like one of the places that um I find myself the most vulnerable with God as in worship and I hope that that can be a place where people feel comfortable to do that here on Sunday mornings too.
1: Yeah, that's great. One last thing, which is totally off script. Great. Um, Verses five and seven of our passage in Isaiah. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and tre- streams in the desert, it's it's of a sudden change of circumstances, um, and w- you know if that were to happen, I mean I've I've literally never seen a deer leap, so I'd be fascinated to see what a layman would look like trying to do that. Maybe you could act that out for us now. No, thank you. Okay, moving on. Um, but <laughs> that idea that the kingdom of God. Will be totally put to right when Jesus returns, but that a taste of that can happen now. What, what, as you know, what are your thoughts there, and how it pertains to worship?
2: Well, um, I do think, and I don't know if this is me as a musician speaking or not, um, because music is very powerful to me anyway. But um, I do feel connected and reminded of the realities of God when I'm worshiping. Um, In a way that sometimes when I have other things going on or things are disappointing or difficult It's harder to put your finger on. It's kind of like I'm reminding myself as I'm singing and I feel like that's an important part of our faith is to Have hope and remind ourselves
1: That's good. Did I answer that question? Yeah, that was fantastic (laughs) Becky Howard everyone Thank you Um, I can't remember who it's ascribed to you. It's Augustine or somebody. That's the problem when, you know, quotes are circulate over and over again. But um, Augustine, I believe, was who said that when we sing, we pray twice. And I've managed to fall asleep in every position known to prayer. But when the music is going, I tend to stay awake. And so for me, that's really helpful. Thank you, Becky. I want you to hear from Becky because Becky and Kevin and the team have been so instrumental uh, along with the rest of the ministry at, at kind of bringing all this together. But a lot of our worship isn't tied to singing, right? Unless you sing all your time at the, you know, in the workplace. Like our whole lives are lives of worship. The singing, in my, my mind and in my experience, helps me tune um, my heart for the rest of the week and as I do it during the week. So I wanted you, you to hear from that because it's such an incredible thing that here Isaiah contrasts God's people who are suffering now, but they're destined for a time when the suffering will be changed to enjoyment. And I know it's hard to hear sometimes when you're in grief and suffering, but that doesn't negate the promise. And here, I don't think anyone says it's a church, but we don't come along people and say, you should be better by now. (laughs) Your grief should be over, come on, cheer up. You know, that's just not what we say. We say, come, join in as much as you can, and together we will walk with you as you walk with us, as we make that movement from the wilderness to that place where Jesus has prepared for us. Amen.